And welcome to our podcast, Coffee Time Theology. Yeah. I'm Grace, and I'm here with my husband, Stu. Kia ora. And we're here to talk about theology. So let's grab a coffee and we'll get into it. Today, just in case any of you are interested, we're drinking a Hamadava coffee, uh, filter coffee brewed with the Mocha Master Techniform, I think it's called. And I just thought that was really important. I really you, didn't, but you, you really wanted today. to share it. Uh, and we're going to be talking about. Theology, like the concept of theology. It's kind of like a meta episode. Yeah, it's the why theology. It's probably what we should have done in episode one, but we're here now. Yeah, we didn't. So episode three, that works fine too, I guess. What's the weirdest place you've talked about theology? The weirdest place? Um, I actually don't know. I, I recall lots of conversations in weird places about theology. I don't know which one's the weirdest. You know, things from, um, uh, actually, they're probably not that weird, but sitting at a camp, you know, mm-hmm. like sitting out around a campfire or uh, sitting on the bus stop with some people. Yep. I think it might be like, where's the weirdest place you've talked theology with a stranger? Because people you know, you talk about theology all the flipping time, just yeah, wherever you are. But the weirdest place I've talked theology with a stranger actually probably would be the bus. Yep. Mm. What about you? For me, I probably would be on the sidelines at a dance party. Sure. I have a tattoo that is based on a scripture from Exodus, Mm -hmm. and people ask me about it all the time. And most of the time, they're like, okay, move on with the conversation. But every now and then, people are really curious and want to actually talk about it and discuss it. And one time at a dance party, I ended up spending like over an hour sitting and talking with somebody about theology because they asked about my tattoo. Mm, That's cool. Yeah. Were you talking about the theology of the tattoo or just like theology in general? I started off talking about the theology of my tattoo, mm. but then they kept wanting to know more. Why that? And can you tell me more about that? There was someone who had grown up Muslim mm-hmm. and so they didn't know much about Christianity. And so they were just really curious and wanted to know more. Mm, cool. Well, that's probably a, a good kind of space to lead into what do we mean when we say theology? It's a scary word for some people. So when we say theology in this kind of context, what are we talking? What is theology, Grace? I did go to university, so I do have the kind of academic theory, academic (laughs) uh, explanation of what theology is first and foremost in my head, which when, when we break down the word, it is studying, thinking about God or gods, the logi being the study and the theo being the God. So it's literally... God study. Yeah. And I think that that's probably what quite a lot of people think about when they think of theology. It's this scary to some idea of like the academic study of God. And there's some really scary words, you know, that, that come along with that. And um, trans, oops, can't even say it. Transubstanti, oh my goodness. Transubstantiation. <laughs> yeah, that one. Um, <laughs> you know, predestination. Um, predestinization predestinization uh, we have a friend who when he was studying his bachelor of theology we decided that we were just going to keep correcting him whenever he said predestination to predestinization with the goal that he'd eventually write it in an essay and it and it backfired 
Sorry. Yeah, it did backfire because when we were studying, like I had this urge every time someone said predestination or read it, I was like, no, it's predestination like, in the back them. of my head. And I'm like, wait, that's not a real word. Anyway, so there's some scary words. Do you have a favorite scary word theologically? A favorite scary word yeah, yeah, theologically. Like a, like a big theological word that's your favorite. Not off the top of my head. I'd have to go and look it up. Oh. Because they're big and they don't live in my head all the time. That's fair. Okay, well, that's kind of a bust question. Um, so that's kind of the academic <laughs> you know, idea of theology. But I think there's also sits beneath that is kind of this deeply held belief, right? Your theology yeah. of of who God is, your theology of what humanity is, what you believe about what God created or how God created or the truth of what God created, what you believe about that kind of in your bones has this massive impact on um, just your day-to-day. It affects how you relate to absolutely everything, Hmm. how you relate to your house, your children, your coffee, your car, the existence of taxes, Everything in your life. What I believe that God believes about my coffee, or what I believe God says about my coffee. And it was good, I think. So. And it was very and good. It was very good. Yeah. I think um, I just fully derailed your thought. You did. It's Sorry. fine. Yeah. But we've got this idea in there that there's this difference sometimes maybe between the stated and the lived. You know, when we've got the academic theology, yes. when we've got the brain theology, it can sometimes become disconnected from the lived or deeply held belief Actual of theology. belief. And when we talk about theology, I think we're talking about both. And we're talking about, mm. yeah, both and the bit in between. You know, this is what I say, I believe. This is what I live like. This is what impacts my day to day. And so what I actually believe is probably somewhere in between. Mm. And I think that's quite an important thing. There's this term, if you study theology or have been in leadership discussions or Bible discussion, I don't know, any of those kind of things, you might hear the term practical theology and I hate it. I yeah. hate this idea, Grace knows, she's heard this rant many a time. Many times. That we have a particular thing that we're going to, this is practical theology. The reason I really don't like it is because all theology is practical theology. Like, yeah. what you believe impacts your day-to-day, even if you don't think it does. Because otherwise you're just saying you believe it. Like, I'll just unpack that a little bit. If I say I believe that the chair is going to hold my weight, but never sit on the chair, do I actually believe the chair is going to hold my weight? Or do I think that chairs have no relevance to me? And so what I believe about it doesn't matter and I'm just never going to sit down. Mm -hmm. There's this disconnect sometimes around what we say we believe and what we actually believe. Well, what we do reveals what we believe. Mm. If what we do and what we say we believe disagree with each other, then clearly there's something There's something that's not connecting there. There's something that's not connecting there. But to take your example of the chair, Mm -hmm. it's like we have this chair and what if everybody's telling me that this chair can carry my weight and I can sit down on it safely and everybody else is sitting down safely on their chairs, but the chair looks dodgy to me and I don't want to sit on it, but everybody else says that it's fine. And so I'm going to trust everybody else over what I see, what I believe about the chair. Ooh, you've brought in like an extra element into that. You know, there's the what I believe. And then there's also like who I trust to maybe tell me my belief is wrong. Yeah. Ooh. That was a third. That was a curveball I wasn't prepared for. So so cheers. Mm, Cheers. Moving on from cheers. We can talk about other things in terms of examples of belief. And I think when we look at Genesis, which we've kind of been doing for the last couple of weeks, we've been yeah. kind of coming back to Genesis, which is cool. 
there's this pretty big concept specifically in Genesis 1 and 2 about creation, right? Pretty yeah. big concept in there. And what we believe about creation, the theology that we personally hold on creation, actually impacts our day-to-day. -day. Yeah. There's a bunch in there. One of them is just the environment. Right, you know? yeah. Just the environment. Just the environment. Just, the environment. just, just a small massive thing. thing that keeps us alive and sustains us and all of these things. Just that. And our theology about what God created, our th theology about a why little bit God of why created. it created, why it why God created, Why God it, created it. it. Perhaps even the how, you mm -hmm. know, the theology, our personal belief of how it was created can all impact our day to day. Let's just look at the environment and just go, okay, if I believe that this was created and I was asked to look after it, mm -hmm. if I genuinely believe yeah. that humanity has kind of a symbiotic relationship with the environment around us, I'm going to treat it a little bit better than if I think it was created to serve me. Right, yes. So if you're a farmer mm -hmm. looking at your land and your use of crops and animals and everything, if you believe that the plants and the animals were there created to serve and feed humanity, then that changes our farming practices than if we believe plants and animals were created to share the space with us and we were appointed caretakers over them. Mm. And there's a space where perhaps those two beliefs intersect. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a space where it's like, well, actually, what if the land was created, the environment was created with the idea of it serving humanity, but the expected expected relationship from that was actually this this two-way street. You know, like the plants are there to take care of us and we're there to take care of the plants. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the yeah. animals are there to take care of us and the expectation is that we also take care of them. Yeah. And I think that belief fundamentally changes how we interact with our environment. You know, it yeah. changes how we care about environmentalism. It yeah. changes what we think about pollution. It changes what we think about global warming. It changes what we think about single-use plastic bags and the petrol industry. Mm, changes what you think about straws. And recycling. And recycling. All of that sort of stuff. All of that. Now, just to clarify, I'm not saying your theology might lend you to, to have a ridiculously strong opinion on all of these things. But it might. But it might, yeah. It has to influence it though, right? Another one that comes from that creation narrative is our theology of people. Okay. How we interact with other people and what we believe about people is actually quite a big aspect of theology. Mm -hmm. Through the Bible, through the creation narrative that we've been talking about, comes this concept of the Imago Dei or humanity as image bearers of God. And that belief is one that has huge impact on how we treat other people day to day. Totally. Yeah, 100%. For example, if your personal image of God is the one from Monty Python of a white man sitting on a cloud yelling things. Okay, I'm not sure. Okay, yeah. Then you're going to find it easier to believe people that look closer to your image of God. So... Oof, that's not where I thought you were going. No? No, but that's good. If your picture of God looks a certain way, then people who look that way are more trustworthy and are more likely to be speaking the truth. Oof, that's a whole like podcast about patriarchy <laughs> that, that's a whole thing there. wow if god is a old white man with a beard then old white men with a beard can be trusted as sources of truth and young black women not so much oof that got real heavy yeah theology yeah theology 
I think we might have to revisit that particular idea in a podcast about the, the image the of patriarchy? God. patriarchy? Maybe. I mean, maybe, you know. Um, let us know if you want us to do a podcast about the patriarchy. That's a terrifying statement for a white middle class male to say. But, you know, if, if that's what you want, if that's, yeah, we can, we can jump into that. We can that. talk about that. I thought you were going in a different direction. Okay. Um, I thought you were going to lean into what you believe about people in terms of image bearers carrying something of the divine. Mm -hmm. changes how we treat them because they carry something of the divine in them. So not not necessarily what we believe about God and the image of God, but the other way around of what we believe about people. For example, if we believe that people are inherently valuable yes. because they are created beings, you know, yeah. inherently valuable because of, you know, something of a divine spark in them, if you will. And that nothing can take out that value of them. Mm. It's always there. It's always there. And they don't there. have to do anything to earn it or they can't extinguish it. Yeah. So there's, there's, if that's what we believe about people, we have to be treating people a certain way. You know, and actually, um, we were talking about this the other day, and this, this might be a podcast again in the future, a slightly different topic about like the theology of, of management. If we believe that the people that we serve as leaders, as managers, are created in the image of God and valuable in their own right, that changes what our responsibility to them is in terms of management. You know, like yeah. the first and foremost, our job is to honor them, value them, keep them safe because they are people. You know, And secondly, it might be to develop them, work with them, you know, invest in them. And then thirdly, get an outcome. You know, like the, the yeah. last thing in that list is what we employ them for almost. Is the output. Yeah, yeah, but if we if we don't actually view them as worthwhile or valuable because of what they inherently carry as a human being, mm. we might flip that, you know? It might be this idea that actually first and foremost, I need you to do something. I'll invest you invest in you so you can do the thing better, and I guess I should make sure you're well enough to do the thing. I guess all of that leads, though, to this concept, uh, and it's it, like it could be a buzzword or a trendy word or whatever, but the idea of deconstruction, you know, yeah. the idea of deconstructing your theology, do I actually believe that? Where does that belief come from? You know, there's things that you're taught, theology, both named and unnamed that you're taught. There's things that you learn from your cultural context and those around you. There's things that you learn from the media you consume, like pop culture, movies and music that teach you about God and about humans and about the environment without you necessarily realizing that that's mm. what they're doing. And I think all of those things, um, we can touch a little bit, I guess, on the, the Wesleyan quadrilateral, again, some, some scary some theology, academic, words, academic for words, but the idea that our belief is shaped by four things, scripture, experience, tradition, and reason. You know, and what we believe is actually impacted by all four of these things. And that all four of them are valid sources of theology, but not by themselves. Mm. You know, if, if, a, if a belief about God or a belief about how God views you comes only from culture and not from scripture and not from reason and experience, then maybe you need to look at that a little bit more. Mm. Yeah. The idea of deconstructing our theology is actually really important. This idea of stepping back and going, okay, cool, I say I believe this. Do I believe this? The idea of stepping back and going, oh, I thought I believed this, but I don't. Why don't I? Where did that come from? You know, what so, do I actually believe and why? A mental picture that someone discussed with me about this whole idea is for a lot of people, their beliefs 
uh, like a suitcase that they were given. Mm. For some people, it's really heavy, and for some people, it's light, but they just carry it around all the time. You know, I have the suitcase. But at some point, we've all got to actually sit down with the suitcase and open it up and go, what's actually in here? And deal with our trauma. Deal with our trauma. But, you know, <laughs> the suitcase in the analogy mm-hmm. was full of rocks. Mm. You need to sit down, you need to look at these rocks and go, do I, do I need these rocks? If I need these rocks, cool, I'll keep them. But maybe I only need half of these rocks. Or maybe these rocks need to be stacked a different way so that I can carry them properly. Yeah, it's it's an important journey, I think, to take. And I think that's kind of the reason why we, we wanted to have this podcast overtly about theology. Yeah. Overtly about what do we actually believe? What does this say? What does this Bible story say about life? What's you know? the point? What of this actually impacts my day to day? And then hopefully by discussing it, by talking about it, by sitting down and having a coffee and unpacking some of those things, we go, ooh. That's slightly different than what I believe. Why? Where does that come from? Yeah. And that's kind of the whole point of, of what we're doing, eh? The good old, turns out I got that belief from movies. Maybe I should run it through the Bible and I'll come out the other end with something completely different. Maybe I should talk to some people I trust about it. You know, yeah. The whole beauty of community is that we should be discussing what we believe with other people. Yeah. And testing it with others. Or the, hey, this is my experience. Does that line up with everyone else's experience? What is everyone else's experience? Let's talk about that. Mm. So that's a little bit about what we believe about theology, about why we think it's important to keep the discussion on theology. Uh, That'll be us for today. So until next time, take a deep breath, know that you're loved. Drink some more water and have a great day.